0: Nightmare town hello neighbors and welcome back to nightmare town we are betty boom and i'm Mandemonium. and this week we are doing weaponized That's, that was smooth that was smooth <laughs> like motherfucking
1: peanut butter good because like my brain just like shorted out for a split second there And I was like, what was it? And then I was like, it's literally in front of my face on the sticky note in bold print above all of my information. Well, I thought it
0: was good. (laughs) It's been a long two weeks. (laughs) Yes, it has. But before we jump into that, we are going to go top of the order and talk about our top fan this week. Amanda, would you like to tell our friends who the top fan is? Our top fan this week is uh, Kimmy. And that
1: would again
0: would be her third week in a row.
1: Yes, which is awesome. We really appreciate all the love you've been sending our way, Kimmy.
0: Very much so. I got off work one day, and it had been a pretty busy day, so I didn't have, like, a moment to check my phone. And I got in the car, and I looked, and I had, like, seven or eight notifications where they had just went down and, like, liked a bunch. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hi, friend. We are going to go ahead and do our recommendation list real fast and then just jump into the episode because I'm pretty darn excited to talk about what I want to talk about. Me too. And I'm
1: excited to hear what you have uh, found this week.
0: Yes. So top recommendation would probably have to be our sister podcast, which I don't even know if they actually want to be called our sister podcast. I'm just claiming them as a sibling because that's what I do. (laughs) But that would be Haunter. Haunter i barely know her so those are a local podcast and they're awesome sauce they actually just put out a they put out episodes on fridays and they're well researched and i just i enjoy them <laughs> very very much
1: yeah they're really good i've been listening i listened to their uh, one of the black eyed kids the other day oh yeah. it was spooky <laughs> uh so we've uh, also got wicked spooky we've been listening to Uh, I've finally gotten a chance to listen to (laughs) the first episode so far. It's really good.
0: I love me some Dead Doug. Yeah. He's just good people. Uh, And then also, bringing it back over here, we have... um, Oh, who is it? Oh yeah, Nerd It Through the Grapevine. Oh yeah.
1: That's one I started Uh, to uh, listen
0: to, but... Yeah, those (laughs) guys are really i think you would really like them they're very funny yeah i probably would (laughs) so and last but not least we have our longtime friends uh yeah we've got a
1: our longtime friends uh mountaintop comic and collectibles mountaintop comic review uh it's the you know they're The podcast kind of works alongside uh, Mountain Top Comics, our local comic shop, and they review comics, so nerdy things, and they're wonderful.
0: We enjoy those guys.
1: We always like we always like to shout them out.
0: Theo's home.
1: <laughs> he can bring in a talk. He brought
0: me a burrito. That's why I love him. That's nice. I love him. But yeah, taco break. <laughs> no, no taco breaks. <laughs> I'll eat it when it's when we're done. It'll be a, it'll be a reward taco. <laughs> Don't let it get too cold. Oh, the reheated taco. Oh no, sad. I didn't. I didn't think about. This. No, it's fine. Everything's fine. Keep going. <laughs> Podcast on. Okay. All right. So this week we are covering weaponize. Oh wow! It. How did you spread this to me via the internet?
1: I was gonna say I'm like la- I'm I'm spreading the brain blinking over to you. It's your turn. No
0: now. <laughs> We are covering weaponized and it is my turn to go first. So I'll be making you small. Goodbye, friend. Bye. Ah, da, 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 da. Bella, quit it. She's like Dad's yep.
1: home and he has
0: food. So Did you know that three wooden spears found in a coal mine near Hanover, Germany, are the oldest complete hunting weapons ever found? I did not know that. Uh, Well, that is according to the internet.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, it's on the internet, so it must be true, right?
0: Obviously. Abraham Lincoln said that, right? He did. And I feel like most of my stories have started like this recently, but fuck it, I like history, so here we go. Since the beginning of man, they have found ways to defend themselves, hunt, and more often than not, kill each other. Humans have been using weapons for a millennia, well, more than one millennia. Millennias, is that a word?
1: Millennias? Millennia? I think it's just millennia.
0: Yeah. I think. Probably. I don't know. Oh, well. You guys figure it out. I don't care by this point. The earliest stone tools are hundreds of years old, and the first arrowheads date back to more than 60,000 years ago. Then later, we developed better weapons. Stones were added to make spears, maces, arrows. With the discovery of precious metals and the creation of the forge, swords and armor joined the ever-growing list of ways humans could now arm themselves. Every country and culture found a new way to make these weapons their own and to improve them. With the invention of gunpowder, a whole new slew of weapons arrived right along with it. Cannons, bombs, eventually in 1346, the first guns were recorded being used in battle, and it only goes on from there. From wooden spoons and flint arrowheads, to drones and laser-guided missiles, there never seems to be enough variety in ways to kill. What's your favorite weapon?
1: Hmm. I gotta say I like the knife. I don't know. Mine? Just seems... Go ahead. Handy. No, you're good.
0: (laughs) Just seems handy. Yeah, what's yours? Uh, Mine has to be the bow and arrow. Because, like, I love my sword because it's stabby, but the bow would just be convenient. Because what if I want to stab somebody, but they're all the way over there?
1: Yeah. So. So then you have, like, a ranged stabbing device. Exactly. I don't even have to get off my couch. <laughs> exactly. I love my couch. That is, that, that is a good uh, good choice, I gotta say. So, I asked. Because you don't want them getting near you.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm small. I don't have much reach. <laughs> but uh, I asked Theo last night and he says his was the Kali-kali sticks from the Philippines which they're basically just uh bamboo sticks oh and so they were adapted to be used with um you know Ipmon, like uh We Chung yeah yeah they were u- yeah, I do. yeah they were they were made to use with like the movements of Wei Chung. Oh, okay. but it's just that's cool. And if you ever got hit with bamboo, that shit's hard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I get it. Um, That's pretty deadly. So, there are instances where humans have even found ways of making themselves into weapons. Take Muay Thai fighters, for example. They sharpen their shins through training and conditioning. Every time they kick a heavy bag, they cause microfractures along the tibia. Then through ossification, the fractured bones are repaired and become denser and stronger as a result of the new bone tissue. And when I was doing Muay Thai, which was a very long time ago, and it, I didn't do it for very long because I don't like getting hit, uh, says the girl that played roller derby for four and a half years. <laughs> it's a different kind of hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was a guy that I trained with that after training he would take a bamboo stick and he would roll it along his shins and eventually his bone became pointy and that shit hurt so bad because it was a really powerful kick and then it was the the bone was pointy so also fuck yeah no fuck that guy i would imagine <laughs> we see these ideas of human weaponry in a lot of entertainment medias comic books movies tv shows uh we have wolverine from the x-men the avengers the justice league recently i started watching amazon primes the boys which is actually where the idea for this came from <laughs> so good it's
1: really good <laughs> and
0: I, I i'm one of those when i get startled by something like i laugh yeah, and me too <laughs> Like, there's been several instances where I'm just, like, not expecting a thing to happen, and then it's just like, well, bam, and then someone's dead, and there's a lot of blood, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is a problem. But we look at these people, these superheroes, and we think, what if, you know? What if I was Kitty Pride and I could face through walls and float? I'd be so good at Tag no one would catch me. (laughs) But there are conspiracy theories, and not just theories, but actual programs that exist out there about governments wanting to make, well, superheroes, and more more specifically, super soldiers. So I'm going to jump on over to this article that I found that was actually very informative. Um... It is from, oh, where'd it go? (laughs) It is from livescience.com. My other sources for the night, I need to move my taco, uh, is Britannica Wiki Evolve underscore Vacation. So, I mean, like, those are three different ones, and then this Live Science. So... And the article is The Ten Most Outrageous Military Experiments by Jeremy Hosu. It's H-S-U. Sure, we'll go with that. (laughs) Hmm. I'm very sorry, Jeremy, if I'm saying your last name wrong, and I apologize, all kinds. But it was written on February 28th of 2011. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it verbatim, but I'm just going to kind of hit on some of the points of it because it's uh, one of them is build your inner armor. Hmm. Perhaps super soldiers may not be far off after all. If efforts such as DARPA's Inner Armor Project find success, consider efforts to give humans the extreme abilities of some animals, such as the high-altitude conditioning of the bar-headed goose That has been known to crash into jet aircraft more than 34,000 feet. Scientists are also eyeing the stellar sea lion, which redirects blood flow from its non crucial organs during deep sea dives and reduces oxygen demands. I do not accept that our soldiers cannot physically outperform the enemy on his home turf, said Dr. Michael Callahan, who heads the project at DARPA's Defense Science Office during a 2007 presentation. The goal is to make soldiers killproof against all sorts of conditions, including infectious diseases, chemical, uh, chemical biological, and radioactive weapons, temperature and altitude extremes, and harsh natural environments. Sounds like a certain mutant superhero. Uh, yeah, is what they said, but I'm pretty sure they're talking about Wolverine. Uh, this next one I thought was actually pretty interesting because it is something that we've talked about in a past episode, uh. and it's called the twenty four seven warrior. Sleep can be a warrior's worst enemy, whether during day long battles or long duration mi- long duration missions flown from halfway around the world, but various military branches have tried to change that over the years by distributing go pills or stimulants such as an- anamphetamines. Most recently, the military has tested and deployed the drug modafinil. <laughs> I don't know, guys. These are uh, the words. Those <laughs> are certainly words. And words are not my forte right now. Yep. More commonly known under brands such as Provigil. (laughs) I don't know why that would be more common, but okay. (laughs) Which has has supposedly enabled soldiers to stay awake for 40 hours straight without ill effect. And the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, is funding even more unusual anti-sleep research such as transcontinental magnetic stimulation that zaps the brain with electromagnetism. So, um, if you guys remember back to our episode that's called True Story, I talked about a man named Sean Nelson, who was addicted to methamphetamine after he was in the military, and then He came back home and continued to use methamphetamines, and he opened a plumbing business and decided to to dig a mine in his backyard, and then eventually decided to steal a tank from the National Guard and leave the Los Angeles police.
1: (sighs) Yeah. That was Mm -hmm. really an interesting one. If you uh, guys haven't listened to that episode and are interested in more information on that story... You should definitely check out our true story episode because it was,
0: that was (laughs) definitely interesting. (laughs) I believe I phrased it as the greatest meth filled tank trace chase in US history. Yeah. (laughs) And how many of those have there been? (laughs) Oh God, I didn't even look that one up. There could have been more than one. Um... Psychic vision is the next one, and it's psychics may not hold much credibility among scientists, but the Pentagon spent roughly $20 million testing ESP powers such as remote viewing from 1972 to 1996. Remote viewers would try to envision geographical locations that they had never seen before, such as nuclear facilities or bunkers in foreign lands. Mixed results led to conflicts within the intelligence agency even as the project continued under the names such as Grill Flame and Stargate and led to spooks finally abandoning the effort. The CIA declassified such information in files released in 2002. So they tried using psychics at one point. Um... Just doing whatever they can to like... (laughs) manufacturer yep. hero but it's one of those like you can't use a psychic i mean think about how much they charge yeah on those late night infomercials i mean that's going to cost the taxpayers so much yeah. money
1: and i mean with the like sleep deprivation thing i mean the, all they really need is just like a bunch of insomniacs and give them some like caffeine and like hey we can stay up stop for talking days. about me
0: <laughs> stop talking about me that is so rude so uh, the next one is NERF gas spray. Nerve gas spray. Not NERF. Nerve. Not NERF. No <laughs> nerve. Um, so yeah, basically from the 1963 to the early 1970s, uh, the U.S. Department of Defense started a project called Project 112, and they would just spray different ships and hundreds of Navy sailors with nerve agents such as Syrian and VX in order to test the effectiveness of decontamination procedures and safety measures at the time. Oh, neat. I'm sure they love that. Oh, yeah, sure. I really appreciate it. I will say it was a volunteer thing. They volunteered to do Mm. that. Okay. Um, But the Pentagon revealed the details of the Project Shipboard Hazard and Defense, also called SHAD, project in 2002, and the Veterans Administration began studying Possible health effects among sailors who participated in Shad. Um, But, yeah, no, this is just one of the many chemical warfare experiments conducted by the U.S. military, starting with volunteer testing involved mustard gas in World War II. Sorry. That was weird. Uh, Hallucinogenic warfare. Uh, This is actually one of the things that... Um, like Stranger Things is kind of based off of. Oh, really? So, well, like MK Ultra, the whole thing was that they would give people like LSD and just kind of see where yeah. it would go. And it, there was this, yeah. True. So it says psychoactive drugs such as marijuana, LSD, and PCP just don't have street value. Researchers once hoped the drugs could become chemical weapons that disabled enemy soldiers. U.S. Army uh, U.S. Army volunteers took pot, acid, and angel dust at a facility in Eaglewood from 1955 to 1972, although those drugs proved to uh, be too mellow for weapons. The Army did eventually develop hallucinogenic drugs. Alter- artillery. That's the word I'm trying to say. Hallucinogenic artillery. Rounds that could disperse powdered I'm not even going to attempt to try to say that word. Basically, they were just trying to get everybody high so that way they wouldn't fight and uh, many of the test subjects uh, just wound up going to sleep for a couple days. Mm. So, um... But yeah, like, there's a few other ones. Like, they had the falling near the speed of sound, where we actually, that was right before the people started actually going into the space. They would send a guy up on a giant balloon, and it was called Project Excelsior uh, during the 1950s. And basically, they would just have this guy go up in this big balloon, and whenever he reached a certain point, he would jump out and free fall. And then parachute to the desert floor in New Mexico. Um, And yeah, no, he wound up like he had a record breaking flight on August 16th, 1960, where he took up to 102, nope, 102,800 feet or Almost 20 miles like that's how high he went up and then he leapt and free fell at a speed up to 614 miles per hour um, Which was super close to the speed of sound which is at 761 miles per hour And he endured temperatures as low as 94 degrees Fahrenheit and this was captain Joseph Kittinger jr. Um So, yeah, they would basically just send a dude up to near space in a balloon. Huh. That's
1: terrifying a little bit. (laughs) Like, I know we got a parachute, but, like, the free-falling part.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, See, the next is pacifist guinea pigs. Most soldiers don't sign up to fight deadly viruses and bacteria, but that's what more than twenty thousand 2,300 young Seventh-day Adventists did when drafted by the U.S. Army. As conscientious observers during the Cold War who interpreted the Bible's commandment, Thou shalt not kill. Very literally, many volunteered instead to serve as guinea pigs for testing vaccines against biological weapons. Volunteers recalled being miserable for seven days. Several days with fever, chills, and bone-deep aches with diseases such as Q fever. None died during the secretive Operation White Coat, which took place at Fort Detrick, Maryland from 1954 to 1973. So, yeah. Um, There's another one where they gave people plutonium shots. Oh, of course they did, and I think this will be the last one that I actually read, and uh, you'll see why in a second, as the United States raced to build the first atomic bombs near the end of the World War two, scientists wanted to know more about the hazards of plutonium. Testing began on march on April tenth nineteen forty five with the injection of plutonium into the victim of a car accident in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Hmm. Uh, to see how quickly the the human body rid itself of the radioactive substance. That was just the first of over 400 human radiation experiments. Common studies include seeing the biological effects of radiation with various dosages and testing experimental treatments for cancer. Records of this research became public in 1995 after the U.S. Department of of Energy published themselves published them. So, yeah. Those are some of the true things that our government has done to people. Well. (laughs) Yeah. They did this to people, and then there's also... I mean, like, I mean, we briefly talked about it, but there's MK Ultra, which I'm not going to dive into this one because I'm already hitting the 30 minute mark. But, <laughs> but still, <laughs> it's maybe it's something we'll talk about on a later podcast. But yeah, so that is all I have. Um, as always, our links will be in the comment section belowish, you know, somewhere. Whatever reading things they're there. We cite our sources. Yeah we passed
1: senior year English did I (laughs) I don't
0: know it was like a while ago (laughs) I passed two college English classes so well you're qualified then (laughs) yeah no it's fine you know how to cite your sources I had to have 18 year olds tell me what to do because I was like it's been a decade (laughs) it's okay (laughs) so but, uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after the sponsor. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsor. It is now Amanda's turn, so I'm going to hand on over to my friend and tell me a story. Okay, so it's really funny that you uh, were talking about
1: the military and them doing sketch stuff, because I'm going to kind of touch on that a little bit. But first off, I want to read a few uh, laws, so to speak. And I want to know if you've heard them, which I'm fairly certain you have. So number one, a robot must not injure a human being or through an action, allow a human being to come to harm. The three rules? Yes. Number two, a robot must obey the orders given by given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. So that is uh, Isaac Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics, which I'm sure you knew. <laughs> I as
0: soon would as hope. you said
1: the first one, I was like, Sunny! Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's all I could think of too, was Sunny.
1: <laughs> oh, I have could... that
0: book. Oh, really? Yeah, I have the original book. Well, not like an original, because... That'd be expensive. But no, I found it at a thrift store. You're more than welcome to read it if you'd like. Yes, please. It. I would love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. I also yeah. recently got War of the Worlds. Ooh. And it's so pretty. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful cover. I know. I saw the cover and I was like, what is it? I want it now. <laughs> like I
1: need it. So, uh, yeah, the reason I'm reading the Three Laws of Robotics uh, is because I found out about this dude named Alexander Reven. Sure, I said his last name wrong. We're just going to call him Alexander. Uh, from an article back in June of 2016. Uh, he decided to make a robot designed to intentionally hurt people and make them bleed. An AI robot. Because, why not? What the fuck, dude? Okay, yeah. So, there, I found an article from, uh... A website called Fast Company and uh, he tells all about his robot and its law-breaking designs, which of course mm. the laws of robotics were made up by a sci-fi writer in the 1940s, but you know, uh, roboticists, they generally tend to stick to Asimov's laws of robotics because, well, it just seems like a good idea, don't you think? It's, <laughs> it's, it's a solid plan. <laughs> yeah. So of course, uh, all sorts of like larger robots, uh, usually used in like facilities or factories, uh, they can definitely hurt humans, but they're not doing it intentionally. They're not like using AI or program to do it. It's generally a user error that somebody gets hurt by a robot.
0: They're not sentient.:
1: So this is where our friend Alex comes in from Berkeley, okay. California. He's an artist, and he wanted to basically start a conversation with, um, like, ethical people, philosophers, lawyers, and others about where our technology is headed. So he did this by creating a little tabletop robot whose sole purpose is to hurt people. He's quoted as saying that he hopes his Frankenstein gets people talking. His robot does nothing more than a little pinprick to the finger, of course. It's not like a killer robot uh but it's a very fast and very sharp needle
0: so could you imagine a tiny little killer robot it would be like chuck yeah it's
1: just like a little tabletop robot like it's kind of shaped like a horseshoe almost and it just like mm-hmm. pricks your finger it... but here's where it gets uh creepy uh <laughs> for lack of a better term um he designed the machine Uh, you know, with kind of AI learning to uh, inflict the pain randomly. So that way when people stick their finger near the little bot it's a roulette and it's left up to the bot decide if he wants to make this person bleed or not, pretty much. (laughs) Rude! Yeah, so he claimed that he wanted to create it because up until then it was only an idea he claims a mere thought. Uh, So he wanted to make a concrete robot that would exist in the real world that was actually designed to hurt people and could choose who and when it wanted to hurt uh, so that people would have to basically, like, confront this and be like, this is a real actual problem and a thing that could happen. And uh, the logistics of, like, designing robots designed to hurt, he said he wanted to force people, yeah, to just kind of confront the issue head on on how to deal with threats from robots
0: well before it's actually an issue. So, So he wanted to make a serial killer robot. Basically fuck this guy stabby mcstab bot (laughs) stabby mcstab stabs my favorite knife at work (laughs) it's probably the best knife it's so big (laughs) i'll take a picture of it and post it on the instagram i want to see it but it's so big (laughs) it's basically a small sword oh well like what better way to like
1: work in the kitchen than with like a small sword Yeah. Uh, so now this of course his little invention is just a little tabletop AI bot it's not really anything to worry about being that you could probably just like drop it in some water and kill him (laughs) but uh, we're going to jump to present day with an article from June from Vox and uh, also from Forbes I'm going to steal a little bit from both of those articles Uh, the Vox one is titled Death by Algorithm the age of killer robots is closer than you think Mm. So this is no, thank you. This is where our military comes in. So imagine an army wants to take on a major city, but doesn't want troops to get bogged down in, like, person-person combat. So instead, what does it do? It sends out a flock of thousands of small drones programmed with simple instructions. Shoot everyone holding a weapon. A few hours later, the city's safe for the invading army to enter, This may sound like sci-fi, but this is technology we pretty much have available today, and militaries worldwide are interested in developing on this. Uh, The article goes on to state that experts in AI and machine learning say it would be pretty straightforward to build robots that make their own decisions on who to target and kill without a human involved. So, like, versus the drones we already have. Uh, Like, they're... Kind of like RC drones. They're piloted by a human, and the human is the one that puts the input in on who to kill with those
0: mm-hmm. military drones. So, basically, somebody watched Spider-Man Far From Home was like, that's a good idea. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> eh, if you've not seen
1: it by now. <laughs> it's your own damn fault. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so, the like AI technology people uh, pretty much are saying with the rise of like more and more facial recognition technology and like object learning with AI that it would be pretty easy to do this now. They're, they call them uh, lethal autonomous robots, but uh, I like the name killer robots better. It sounds more appropriate because that's what they are. So, uh, some argue that it would be, like, a great idea because uh, their argument is that humans are flawed. We're too emotional. We could exact revenge or kill those. We shouldn't do to just human error. So an AI weaponized bot wouldn't. It would see a gun, see an unfriendly uniform, see the codes, all the strings of codes that it was taught to follow, simple directions and learn to uh, kill the bad guys. But the problem is that robots, of course, lack morals they like empathy uh, one scenario was brought up where say you have a six year old little girl that's like pretty much wired to report back to say the Taliban with the location of the opposing army legally they could shoot her because she's helping the enemy and an AI would do just that because they just in you know their learning program says oh I've learned mm-hmm. that that person's a threat so we're gonna just kill
0: them uh have they never seen any of the Terminator movies? <laughs> right right like do not this is how we get movies? to Skynet exactly Have they never seen war games? <laughs> <So> <laughs> clearly
1: not they somebody needs to like be like, okay, watch this and then you can create so, your terrible
0: robots. Okay, here's the thing. we're gonna get some popcorn. we're gonna get some snacks and we're gonna have a movie marathon <laughs> where you're gonna take notes lots of notes. <laughs> I'm going to sit next to you. I'm going to elbow you during the important parts. <laughs> like this. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically it was saying, like,
1: your argument's kind of invalid because, like, that robot is going to just kill the little six-year-old girl because that mm-hmm. the robot sees them as the enemy. Uh, whereas a human, of course, you know, unless they're a complete, you know, POS, uh, the <laughs> it's a child, so they're not going to kill a child because killing children is wrong. Uh, and yep. clearly the kid's not, you know, knowledgeable enough to know what they're doing. They've just been either threatened, paid off, or groomed to work with the enemy, which is to do something thing. the robots can't differentiate. So researchers in AI are pretty much trying to push for the United Nations and world governments to just outright ban this preemptively as a fully uh, words can't say words now either uh, to preemptively ban a fully autonomous killing robot uh, because it would just usher in way too many more like technical and strategy dilemmas and their hope is to keep AI killer robots as purely a work of science fiction and not real things because of reasons
0: such as that because we don't want skynet is what we don't want yeah
1: well i mean there was even the talk with like the self-driving cars there was the dilemma they had to work out because the ai learning in the car you know if they have a person in their vehicle and they're driving and it was something along the lines of The car has a split-second decision to make. Do I swerve to miss the car and protect the person that's in my vehicle? Or do I swerve, but in doing... Like, swerve the other direction, but it's going to, like, hit a lady in, like, a stroller, like, pushing a baby? I can't remember exactly Mm -hmm. the scenario, but it was basically, like, it has a decision to make, and how is it going to be able to make that decision of, do I swerve to avoid the danger, but in doing so, I'm going to harm this individual, or... Do I not swerve and the individual that is inside the vehicle gets harmed?
0: In- That's actually, um, isn't that like a psychology question where it's like you're in an out of control train and you're on the tracks and you have a split second to decide if you want to stay on the course that you're going where you're going to kill five people or do you switch the track and only kill one person, but that person is the most important person to you. So, yeah, see, pretty
1: much, it, it's pretty much the same scenario, and that's a problem they were yeah. actually having to work out with these vehicles, that, and, you know, they were having a lot of trouble driving in the rain.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Self-driving
1: in the rain. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's also yeah. cause for concern.
0: <laughs> I I mean, it, if I could still be driving, like, my 89 Dodge Ram Dakota, I would be. <laughs> like, and. I? That thing didn't have power steering anymore, but I loved that truck. So I like driving. I don't want something else to drive me unless it's the um, Yeah, see. And even then, I, I usually prefer to drive. Yeah,
1: I'm the same way. I like, I'm, I'm like an anxious enough person that like if I'm driving the vehicle and I'm in control of the vehicle, it's like great. But like when somebody else is driving, like I just get anxious and nervous and jumpy and I'm like something bad's going to happen because I'm not the one driving and in control of it. I'd imagine the same would be true if I were in like a self-driving vehicle. I'd be like so This thing I'm just supposed to like trust it to like Keep me safe <laughs> And it's not real Okay, yep. <laughs> yeah. which don't get me wrong love the technology, but uh, we don't need a uh, AI killer robots anytime soon No, I don't
0: think we really Weaponized don't and
1: drones the
0: guy that the guy that suggests that he's a prick yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, he's a prick, just like his
1: little robot pricked everybody else's fingers. Literally a prick. Yeah, a, an actual literal prick. <laughs> uh,
0: cut him <laughs> or prick him. What else you get? Yeah, prick him. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah,
1: that's <laughs> actually uh, really all I had. Uh, I just got too excited and talked pretty quick through that. <laughs> That's okay. Because I found killer weaponized robots, and I was like, oh, that's exactly what I want to talk about for weaponized. Robots <sighs> See, with weapons.
0: I I love that you went robots with weapons, and I was like, what are we doing to people? Yes. <laughs> it's people. Because <sighs> originally I was going to talk about, um, like, weaponizing viruses and, like, the CDC and then go into a big thing about, like, The Walking Dead. and yeah. Uh, like, the original Dawn of the Dead movie, like, the original zombies in movies, it was actually not, um, like, you get, it it was a, it was a disease. Yeah. Like, it was a disease that the government had decided on, and then these people got infected, and it got out, and it became this thing, and, like, that's the modern zombie is a weaponized disease. Pretty much. I mean... If we want to go video game mode like
1: Resident Evil with the G and the T viruses, Uh, (laughs) we're
0: essentially that. Fucking Umbrella Incorporation. Umbrella Corp. (sighs) (laughs) But now, anytime somebody says Umbrella, I'm like, Academy? (laughs) Tell me, who is your favorite character and why is it Klaus? It's Klaus. (laughs) It's always Klaus. It better be Klaus or Five.
1: Yeah, five's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. He he's is. like just the actor himself is like amazing. <laughs> Very impressive.
0: He plays an old man so I know, well. He does it
1: so well for somebody that's like I don't know how old so young. he actually is, but like he's portraying a young person and plays a young person yep. that's clearly lived three lives already <laughs> so well. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. Well, I mean other than I mean I could go on a tangent about the boys. I watched all of season one yesterday, so yesterday. I don't want to accidentally one. spoil anything
1: because I like pretty much was binge watching it, so like season one and what I've seen of season two have kind of like gone into each other, but like I really want to make some jokes about Homelander. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll do it off the podcast. Yes,
1: but I love that show so far. It's really good.
0: I've yeah, been enjoying it. Well, do you want to spin the wheel? And so if you guys have your own stories to tell or ideas for the temporary wheel, go ahead and hit us up at NightmareTown18 at gmail.com over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Reddit? I still need to get you that information. <laughs> uh, all at Nightmare Town 18 or Nightmare Town Podcast. Or you can also go on over to our website, which is nightmaretown.co. That's c o. Um, there is a nifty little button over there where you can hit, uh, you can type out your story, click if you want us to tell it on the podcast or not, and it'll send it to us. So, and then you could also, if you wanted to, while you're over there at nightmaretown.co, you could just pop on on over to the merch and see our super awesome Bigfoot pins that we have. I'm getting really good at Spiels.
1: You are getting really good at spiels. i'm I'm glad that one of us is good at the spiels because me not so much sometimes. <laughs> okay, so you want to know our next episode? Yes, please. It is creepy broadcast sent in by Minnie. We finally drew that one. Yay. Oh, so I lost uh, my pen. Minnie, if you're listening, which hopefully you are, you better be. <laughs> or I'll come over there. uh, yeah. Tune in for, not next episode, but the episode after that.
0: That's right, not next episode, because our next episode actually lands on the Harvest Festival of Sweeney. The highest of holy days for us. Yeah, it lands on the (laughs) Halloween. Yes. All
1: Halloween. And we've got some uh, great things in the works and up our sleeves for
0: Halloween, and we are... Super excited. This is our, what, third this Halloween on the podcast? This is our third Halloween. The first one we did Halloween lore, which is where we originally did um, the story of the harvest of Saween, which yeah. was the Gaelic word for Halloween, basically. It's what, it's what Halloween was before it was Halloween. Yes. And then our second one was whenever we did our first D&D episode. Yes. And then this one... You'll have to We're tune in, to. You'll just have to tune in and be excited. will have to tune in. I'm excited, and I've been doing research for it already. Me, too. I've, I'm excited. I've picked out my topic, and, uh, yeah, I just need to actually put my stuff on paper. Because that's what I do. I do paper.
1: I can't read my own handwriting, and I write too slow, so mine's on sticky notes on the computer.
0: <laughs> it's just a whole
1: story on sticky notes. I love it. I literally, it's it's a giant, it's a giant like, sticky like it takes up like my whole screen. <laughs> I don't know why I don't just open a Word document. The stickies are right there. It's... They're there for me when I
0: need them. If that's how your brain needs to work, you do it. <laughs> but all right, so I guess until next time. Tell us a story. Bye.